You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Good morning. I'm more convinced than I've ever been that there's going to be violins in heaven. <laughs> Can you give it up for, uh, for, for Corey? Yeah, so awesome. Sometimes just a little change just makes a huge difference. Our worship team is just uh, super, super powerful. They, they faced a ton of difficulties this morning and in our pre-service meeting. It was one of those things where it's like, Lord, I don't care if the sound goes out. If we get you, we're totally fine. And they kind of just come up with that. And so would you give it up for the team? Man, they're so amazing. Well, super awesome to be here. If you don't know me, uh, my name is Cody Sykes. I'm the campus pastor here of Renew Life Church Midland. And uh, man, we are having a blast. We have a church in Lubbock just right down the road. And um, things are going really good there. I was there actually last week, got to preach. And uh, man, God is, is moving miraculously in some really cool ways. And so uh, super thrilled about today and just, uh, just being here with you. Um, I'm excited about this message. I, I preached a version of this message that was really, really condensed, uh, maybe like 12 minutes worth once. Uh, we were way off in worship and just kind of preached a really small version. So I'm gonna re-preach it uh, just because I liked it. So hopefully, uh, hopefully you like it too. So uh, if you don't, well, at least I did. Um, no, let's pray and then we'll, uh, we'll dive into this. Father, I thank you. Oh man, such a beautiful day. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the way that you're manifesting yourself and I ask for a continuation. I pray that as we open your word, the word that is alive, that we would come even more to life. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would uh, do as you will in this room, that you would open our ears to hear, you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. I thank you, Father, for anointing us as hearers and anointing us as speaker. I pray, Father, for your help, and we receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, If you would, would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2? Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to have it up here on the screen behind me as well, but let's dive into this. Um, It says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one could boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen? I'm gonna read a couple of these pieces one more time. Verse eight, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. Amen? 
not as, a, not as a result of works so that no one could boast. I love how God uses the people that are the, the, the least qualified in worldly standards to do the most incredible things. Why? So that they can't boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Um, as we start today, I want to make this statement. It's imperative that we all understand this thing. There's nothing good in your life that didn't originate from grace. There's nothing in your life, there, anything that makes you happy, anything that brings you joy, anything that, that, that adds favor to your life, uh, your possessions, your health, your relationships, your job, your success in your job, none of those things were available without the grace of God. None of those. Everything good came from grace. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, Paul said this when he's talking about uh, how he's the least of the apostles. He said, I'm the least of the apostles because of the way that I persecuted Christians. And he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I feel like there's some people in the room that might need to know this. You might have been something before, you might have been terrible, you might have done terrible, you might have lacked a lot, but by the grace of God, you are what you are today. And in this scripture that we just read, once, we're, once we receive salvation through, through faith, by grace through faith, it says that he raised us up, talking about our spirit, he raised us up and he seated us, our spirit man, he seated us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Your spirit and who you are after being saved is untouchable. It is untouchable. Well, why do I feel bad? Well, that's, that's not your spirit. That's your mind, your will, your emotions. That's your soul, your three-part being. Your spirit has a body and has a soul, but your spirit is untouchable. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. So what you were, you're not. Now you're son or now you're daughter. Now you're the redeemed of the Lord. Now you're the head and not the tail. Now you're above only and not beneath. You are those things because of the grace of God in your life. Amen? Everything good about you and everything that is going to be good about you, it comes from his grace. The alternative to grace is self-effort. I said, mm couple of those, mm. I think that's mm, a wise, mm, like I have applied self-effort. <laughs> I made this happen, it's self-effort. I worked hard and received all these things. I pulled all of the strings and made all of the meetings happen and I landed that deal. I earned all of these things. I would just say this, watch it. Watch it, hot rod. Not so fast. Every hot rod runs out of gas at some point, and at the end of the day, your ride is clean, but your gas tank's on empty. And then you just become one of those guys. No scrubs. Just can't be a scrub. No scrub. No scrubs. No scrubs. Just chasing waterfalls. I don't know. You ever met those kinds of people that just take things too far like ju I just did? 
when they laugh a bit too long at a joke that's not really that funny, or when they sneeze, it sounds like they're getting delivered by a demon or of a demon. Uh, they're the kinds of people that, that, that scream too loud at the TV at something that really doesn't make any difference at all. It's pre-recorded, already happened in life. Um, but for whatever reason, they're still screaming. Like they pre-record, they record a, a football game and then they go home and watch it and they scream at it like it's gonna change the outcome and it already happened two hours earlier. That's why I can't watch recorded sports. It just, I don't know what, just does something to me. Um, but if, I th- if we all think about it, we, we are these kinds of people that just take things too far. We, 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 we do things that, di- that just are, are a bit too much. Christians especially, can I just crack on us for a little bit? We kind of do things that are just, sometimes they're just too much. For instance, Christian t-shirts. Oh, y'all know. There's that section in Mardell's where you could just go and just feel the joy of the Lord come over you as you, as you laugh at these. I'm going to read a couple of these and you can judge for yourself. I got 99 problems, but my faith ain't one. First off, to know the lyrics to the real song and then to create a shirt, like, we, we need some prayer in this moment. Inspired by a ketchup bottle. Ketchup with Jesus. Blessed from my head to my toes. It's too much. Inspired by a mayonnaise label. May your light shine for Jesus. <laughs> Spread it around. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's just too much. It's just too much. As I read things in Scripture, I would, I would say that there's a lot of things in Scripture that, that's like, Lord, that's just too much. Like, I could get on board with a lot of the things that you say and a lot of things that you do and a lot of things that you ask of people in Scripture, but sometimes, Lord, you just, you took it too far. Maybe I'm the only one, but we're going to dive into Genesis chapter 22, and we're going to share and read some things in here, and I'm just like, man, this just seems like this is, this is just too much. I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, Sometimes later, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, (laughs) whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Verse 3, the next morning, Abraham got up early, and he saddled his donkey, and he took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place that God told him about. Now, if I'm Abraham in this moment, I'm like, okay, this is, I, I've got some rebuttals to this. I'm not, I'm not, if I'm Abraham, I'm not very excited about what God's asking me to do. I'm probably not being the one that's going to wake up in the next morning, saddle the donkey, cut the wood. I'm probably, I'm probably not telling anybody about what God's asking me to do because in my estimation, it would seem that if God is taking it way too far, are you kidding me? Like, kill your son. Bro, you, ha- you, you gotta draw the line somewhere. And as I look at this story, there's several things that pop up to me. But the first thing is this. What God was asking Abraham to do, it didn't make any sense. I mean, did, you, did that make perfect sense to you prior to knowing the outcome? 
Doesn't make any sense to sacrifice your child. But the thing about this is that many of the things that God says that are the best for us are the things that don't make any sense to us. They're illogical. They, they're not sensible. Uh, they're, they're outrageous at times. For instance, Luke chapter six. This is this one. We all can relate to this one. He says this, Luke chapter six, 27 and 28. But to you who are willing to listen, you're like, well, I'm not listening to this, so this doesn't apply to me. But you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Nah, I'm good. I'm probably just not, that doesn't make sense, God. It doesn't make sense to uh, allow people to get away with doing me wrong. Well, if I don't defend myself, who's going to? And then there's that scripture that we forget often. The Lord's like, vengeance is mine. I'll, I will repay, says the Lord. Like, no, no, no. I, I, I'm good at being God today. I will take vengeance. I will say the things that need to be said. I will put them in their place. How will they know that they did anything wrong unless I tell them? <laughs> there's a lot of us like that. Well, I mean, they, somebody has to say something to them. It might as well be me. No, you probably dislike it to be you. <laughs> That's probably really what it is. No one deserves a free pass when they hurt someone. Love your enemies, it just doesn't make sense. And Jesus, we've said this multiple times, he didn't come to make sense, but he came to create faith. Came to make faith. And what he's asking for in these moments where he's, where he's seeming to, to, to ask us these outlandish things and, 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 and desire for us to do things that make no sense is he's looking for surrender. He's looking for someone who would just fully surrender him so that he could deposit something inside of them that would change everything that's around them. The level that you are willing to surrender to the Father equals the level of power that you will walk in. We all want to walk in power. We want to do these incredible, amazing, magical, crazy, uh, miraculous things, yet we don't want to surrender to the things that God asks us to do in Scripture. Where is that power going to come from? You? Oh, should we go back and read the self-effort ones real fast? No, no, no. The, the, the level of your power is equal to how much God, you are uh, allowing him when you listen to say really hard things and you actually just do them. Abraham hears the hardest thing and he just wakes up. He starts saddling his donkey. He starts cutting firewood. Sometimes the things that, that make the least amount of sense can produce the greatest amount of blessing and fulfillment in your life. The other thing that I saw in this was that this whole situation was abnormal, like I said. People don't normal people don't sacrifice their kids. <laughs> Might wanna give them away for a little bit, but they don't <laughs> sacrifice them. The point is this, is that faith will often require you to do things that won't seem normal to the people that are around you. And oftentimes the people that are around us have a stronger say than God does. It's the truth. Well, God said do such and such. Mm, I'm gonna check with a few people first. For a lot of people, 
we've normalized serving God. Meaning, we've taken the things of God and we've brought them to a place where if they don't make sense and they're abnormal, they're not of God. Because why would God want me to be uncomfortable? Because he called the Holy Spirit the comforter. And for all of the times that you're comfortable, he's not getting to be your comforter. And he needs you to allow him to say some things when you listen, like love your enemies. That's really uncomfortable, perfect. Now I can actually be who I'm designed to be as the Holy Spirit, your comforter. Since when did serving God have anything to do with being normal? Because normal, normal says that I should, I should and my family should have the flu once a year and we should get a shot. If you get a shot, great. Just don't expect the flu. That's what the norm is. Norm says that I, 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 if I have teenagers, I should expect them to experiment with drugs and sex before marriage because that's what normal teenagers do. One of the things that I've heard so many times is kids are going to be kids. No, it's 100% inaccurate and it's a lie. Kids are like adults. They only do the things that they know they can get away with. Adults, if we drove to Lubbock right now and we knew that there was not going to be any sort of law enforcement at all on the highway, would you drive the speed limit? Why? Because you can get away with it. And your kids are the same. If they know that they tell you no and nothing's going to happen, guess what they're going to continue to do? Tell you no. And then add some. They are the the best at getting an inch and taking a mile. Normal says that I should have to struggle to have my ends meet every month. That's, that's just the norm in Midland, Texas. It's not the norm. Normal says a marriage should only last about eight years because uh, after that you kind of lose interest. One of my favorite things about serving God is, is that I never have to accept normal in any area of my whole life. I can expect and should expect abnormal things to happen. I should expect supernatural things to actually take place. I, I should expect mind-blowing testimony to take place like Levi's. That's not normal. Normal would have said, Doc, I hear what you're saying. Where do I go to start taking the medication? Or where do I, can you point me to the closest and the nearest and the best adoption agency? Not that there's anything wrong with adoption and not that there's anything wrong with you taking medication if you feel you need to. But Supernatural says I'm just gonna put my faith and I'm gonna attach my faith with someone else's faith so that my miracle actually takes place because God said I could have it. You'll never experience abnormal, abnormal results in your life if you're overly concerned with being normal. If you are concerned with, with what other people think about your abnormal thing that God is telling you to do, you will not experience the supernatural results that he has behind them. Faith isn't normal. It's kind of weird, actually. It's kind of weird. If we look back at our story, Genesis 22, 
It says on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. I want you to notice what faith sounds like because it sounds like something. He says, and then we will be right back. The only instruction that he has at this point is that he's to take his son, put him on an altar, and sacrifice him. No one's told Abraham anything about them coming back. But faith says, I'm going to speak things that are not as though they are. He's totally expecting this situation to work out in his, in his favor. He wasn't nervous about this situation. I love this also. Faith isn't nervous about telling other people the outlandish thing that God is telling you. You ever had God tell you something and you're like, well, I'm not telling anyone that because they will not believe me. They will lock me straight up in Big Spring. No, that actually, faith, faith shares the abnormal things that God is saying to do because it's actually a, a, a bit of your uh, declaration that it's going to take place for you. He wasn't thinking about how crazy or how, how stupid he sounded if he's the only one that came back in a puddle of tears. No, 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 he boldly said, when we come back, we will be right back. Authentic faith produces words of faith. Faith doesn't sound like, I doubt I'll get that raise that I was promised. Yeah, faith doesn't sound like kids are going to be kids. Faith is not and does not sound like I'm always going to come to church alone because my husband won't come with me. Faith keeps inviting them. Faith keeps poking them a little bit. Faith doesn't say, I'm sure my kids will struggle in school. Everyone in my family struggled before them. Well, faith doesn't say, you act just like your dad does. If that has a negative connotation to it, stop saying that. It's real simple instructions. Don't do that anymore because you will build worlds with your words. And if you're not careful, the thing that you say over your children, they will start walking in them and then you'll ask why. And then there's this thing in the bathroom by your sink. And if you look at it, it shows you a reflection. <laughs> and it'll come back to some words. Faith isn't silent. Faith boldly proclaims what God has promised even when it can't see it. I, I, I said this a while ago, this is paraphrased, but Romans chapter four, verse 17, call those things that are not as though they were. For Abraham in this story, I want you to just put yourself in this moment. If Isaac was a promise from God, because God promised Abraham that he was gonna be a father of many nations. I want you to think about the promise for a moment. And then when you think about what God's asking Abraham to do, 
Okay, you're, you're gonna be a father to all these nations and here is, here is your firstborn son. Here is the start of the promise. And I want you to take him and I want you to sacrifice him. It doesn't make any sense. But Abraham's words, when he said, we will be right back, what they were saying was this. If Abraham, if God has promised to me that I will be a father to nations, I will have that promise no matter what, and my words are going to back what I believe. Then no matter what, I'm going to have that promise. For us, if God said that everything that we put our hands to would be blessed, that's what he said in the word, then I'm going to expect things to work out. I'm going to have the bonus. I'm going to have a successful marriage. I'm going to have uh, honoring children. I'm going to have respectful children. I am going to have these things if God said so. I am going to have my promise. That's what faith sounds like. I am going to experience my breakthrough. If you received prayer for a miracle, it says, I am going to have my miracle. Start naming the baby now. If God said it, I can speak to the mountain, say to the mountain that is my husband, you will be at church with me next week. Authentic faith, it speaks and it shifts. Let's finish this story out. So Abraham, verse six, so Abraham placed the wood on the burnt offering of Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two men walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and he said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire in the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son, Isaac, and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your, own, your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in his, by his horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrifices and a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named that place Yahweh Yaira. I probably messed that up, um, Texan. Uh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use the name as a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. I wanna just land this thing right here Everything that you and I will ever need to succeed and to be happy in this life will be provided or was provided for you on the cross. It's up to us to engage faith to receive these things by faith. My question is this, how far are you willing to go? Are you willing to do things that seem like you're taking it too far? Will it be said of you by your children and your children's children that there are places that are afforded to me, there are mountains afforded to me 
that have a name that means on this mountain the Lord provided. Because my mom or my dad or my grandma or my granddad, they chose to speak faith. They chose to do something that seemed like it was too far. Or will it be upon your children and your children's children to be the ones that say, Lord, I'm actually finally listening and no one has before me. Would it be in my life, finally, for my whole family, a generation, that because of my choice of faith, it could be said of my life on this mountain the Lord provided? Will it be you or will it be your children? Or will it be your children's children that finally say, Lord, you have my ear, and I'm willing to go as far as you want to go. I'm willing to go into the waters where I can't touch. I'm treading water. I'm tired. I'm willing to get way uncomfortable, even a little weird if I have to, if it means that I'm following you and I'm, and I'm setting my family up and the people around me to experience you in a way that I've never experienced you. There's a lot of people in the room that represent firsts. You're a first generation Christian in your family. You're the first to graduate high school. You're the first to go to college. You're the first to, to get married. You're, there's a lot of firsts in the room and I, I just believe that, that God is wanting to establish some firsts in the kingdom as it pertains to your family. The question is how far is too far? And are you willing to let him take you? Will you surrender? Will you surrender? Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.